Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we want to thank all our listeners for all the support so far and hope the podcast has been really helpful to you on your DM journey. Uh, remember to rate us as it really helps us with exposure and getting the word out there. And check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash dmsdiscuss. We just launched a little Discord community and a TikTok at dmsdiscuss. Uh, so you can follow for more DM D&D content, tips, and tricks. Uh, enjoy the episode and may all your rolls be 20s. Welcome, 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 welcome to DMs Discuss. I'm Mike. I'm Chris. And I'm Scott. Welcome to DMs Discuss, where this week DMs will be discussing 1D&D again. Uh, this will be part two in our series on 1D&D, and we're going to be talking about uh, expert classes. Yeah, so... Um... In one D and D, they've decided to kind of recategorize the classes. Um, they've introduced these class groups, essentially, where there are expert classes, uh, mage classes, and what was the other one? Uh, priests and warriors. There's four of them: expert, mage, priest, and warriors. Uh, so they have released some uh, playtest material in relation to expert classes, and this class group consists of the bard, the ranger, and the rogue. Um, and as far as this playtest material goes, we did see some changes in terms of just overarching class design changes. And, uh, Chris, do you want to, uh, mention some of those? Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. They're choosing to make these kind of larger class groupings and stuff. Uh, I think it's really to kind of going to be used probably for like magic items and things to pare things down. And I can see also like the new feats that we talked about last time potentially having uh instead of being like class restricted they might be like this kind of like larger class group where mm -hmm. like there's like an maybe an, ex an expert feat or something like that yeah i I, th I think that i think that makes sense and I, I do see them going that way with items too or like this item's usable by the expert class like uh like you had mentioned similar to feats um how, how do you feel about this this grouping I like it. I think it makes sense. Like we used to run the newbie nights and we would always divide people into like three things, right? You'd either be like, uh, like a caster or a, like, uh, a martial class or, uh, what were the, uh, we did three Which rangers like, and rogues were always grouped up. Yeah. Rangers and rogues were always grouped up. And then we put bards with casters and it was like, all of your casters were together. You had like ranger rogue. And then you had, <clears throat> All your like martial classes. So it was like ranged melee and then casters was essentially the breakdown of it. Um, so I, I like this grouping a little bit better because it does make more sense when you think about it. You have like your fighters, your warriors, like uh, barbarian fighter monk. So all of your like really melee classes that are primarily only combat based and then priests, which would be all of your like divine and primal magic folks like clerics, druids, paladins. Uh, mages as a group is sorcerer, warlock, wizard. So all the people that use arcane magics and then experts are people that have expertise in features and elements and stuff like that. So, uh, the bard, the ranger and the rogue being more of like a, like a hybrid expert class. Yeah. And I mean, you had mentioned, uh, you know, like divine arcane, etc. Um, one thing they've also chosen to do is, is group different spells as well. So, They've introduced this concept along with the classes. They've introduced this concept of 
uh, various spell groups. So primal uh, spell list, the divine spell list, and the arcane spell list. And uh, there are various, uh, as we talk about the different classes, uh, there are various feats and things like that that say, you know, pick something off the primal spell list. So I think this grouping is trying to make things easier to digest and understand for um, not only returning players, but also players who are new to, to D&D. Yeah, for sure. I think it makes more sense than the the kind of division into the schools of magic from before. Um, because before you had like an intermingling of magics in these different schools. So like some necromancy was arcane based, some necromancy was more divine based, and it, it didn't really fit with the uh, the types of characters and the, and the breakdown of the way that characters fit into the world. So I actually really like the the separation into like arcane, divine, primal rather than the the schools that you used to have. I will say they do still have the schools uh, to mm. keep it backwards compatible, but it seems that they're not really often referred to that. Right. Thing. But they're still there if you still love your old schools. <laughs> yeah. How how often did schools come up for you guys in, in campaigns? All the time. Uh, with Detect Magic telling you what school of magic is on something, people would be like trying to guess how things were booby-trapped or like what was impacting people and things like that based on the school of magic that was affecting them, right? Yeah, I think in my campaigns, uh, the notion of the school of magic didn't come up all that much. Um, so I guess it's kind of interesting. I don't necessarily see like, let's say they were to completely eliminate schools and just go with these like spell groups. Um, I don't think that'd make too, too big of an impact. Uh, no, not too much of an impact. I think the schools do tell you a little bit more about the nature of the magic, like in terms of like for abjuration, you know, it's some sort of shielding. If it's necromantic, you know, it's like something crazy with the undead. Like that kind of stuff, it gives you a little more of a hint of what's going on. Whereas this is more like the source of the magic, right? Like the the type of magic that it is. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So another overarching rule that they've kind of introduced, uh, since we're on the topic of, of spells, is uh, ritual casting. So previously, to ritual cast a spell, um, you could cast a spell for I think it was ten minutes plus the spell's time, and you would be able to cast that spell without using a spell slot, which is awesome conserving a spell slot. Uh, but in order to do that, you had to um, have something like ritual caster, um, or I think some classes had the innate ability to ritual cast. Um, but if you didn't, you had to have like feats and they've changed that in one D and D basically if a spell has a ritual tag, you can cast it as a ritual. That's my understanding. As long as you know it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do y'all feel about that? I mean, I, I think it's pretty good. It opens up a lot of things for other other classes. Also, like it used to have to be something that was prepared for most uh, classes that weren't wizards. Wizards could choose any um, like ritual spell that was in their spell book, but not necessarily one that they had prepared for the day. Um, whereas like if you were a caster that switched stuff out on rests, you would have to have that spell prepared to even be able to cast it as a ritual still. So I don't think you need to have that same uh, level of preparation anymore. So I think it, it opens up more spell choices for uh, for casters. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that uh, just that flexibility and having that choice and the ritual spells, like they're highly situational in my opinion. Um, but just having access to them, I think just adds a ton of flavor. It's I like this change. It's pretty decent quality of life change and um, 
yeah, I think you get some some fun new options. I think uh, on the note of that as well is that they actually do still have the ritual caster feat, except now that instead of just being able to do rituals, you so you gain two new rituals. They're always prepared for you, and you have quick ritual, where essentially you can cast a ritual spell using its regular casting time, and it doesn't consume a spell slot once a day. That's awesome. So they they did keep the feeder out, but they did have to change it uh, to match, you know, obviously this new everyone gets rituals thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we kind of got on the topic of uh, spells and things like that, just based on this expert classes uh, may, making reference to these different spell lists, the arcane, the divine and the primal and uh, certain classes use certain lists. I mean, when we talk about the ranger, the ranger uses the primal list. When we'll talk about the bard, you'll see that the bard kind of has access uh, to to all of the lists, essentially, at some mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, that's kind of one of the major changes we're seeing um, in this document. And I think one of the biggest changes we're seeing is subclasses start at level three now across the board. Good, bad. Uh, I like it because it, it like especially when you're playing like low level one shots and things like that, it felt really unbalanced when some characters had that like identity in the character already and some didn't. So I think the balance of having more of your characters uh, like traits in the background uh, and moved out of the actual character itself and into the background combined with uh, this change is also like just really good in the way that it works together. Yeah, like overall, I think it is, you know, as much as I do, I have previously very much enjoyed taking like those really beneficial, like one level dips into a class from it. I think it, you know, it got to a point where it's a little silly, where some of them were just so insanely strong that like, what are the odds that, you know, so many characters uh, just decide to study being a cleric for just a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, everybody gets just a little bit holy to unlock like heavy armor and yeah, um, I don't like this change. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that doesn't. Yeah, I'm as, not surprised you don't like this change as somebody who has characters that are like four classed. I, I, I get the consistency of it. Um, I do understand the consistency. I do understand that they, they want to make this change to make it more accessible and, and just have the classes kind of be consistent. Um, I didn't really think about your argument, Mike, where you talked about like in a one shot where everybody kind of has that identity. Like if everyone's let's say everyone's level two and some people have their like channel divinity or whatever you get at level two and other people still haven't subclassed. Um, I, I do see how that can kind of feel imbalanced or not as fun for the players who don't have that kind of established identity. But as somebody who really does like multi-classing as somebody who does like those one level dips as somebody who does like to some degree, um, I mean, some of my characters are so are suboptimal, but on some characters, I do min max. So, I guess what I'm what I'm gonna do is like try not to judge this change. I understand it, um, but I don't know. I mean, it remains to be seen for me. Um, but just kind of on the surface, I don't know. A bit cynical about this one. That's fair. well. I was watching uh, an interview with the writers for this, and they did say that this change was a personal attack against you. <laughs> oh man, that makes sense. I'm gonna have yeah. to reach out. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get a get our lawyers on the phone. <laughs> we don't have lawyers. <laughs> I know we don't have lawyers. <laughs> I'll just one of you can pretend. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, 
yeah, I mean, so that's kind of some of the overarching changes. Um, I know we had talked about like the inspiration change, Mike. Yeah, the inspiration change is really cool. I think I'll talk about it a little bit more in depth when we talk about the rogue, um, mm-hmm. because I think that everybody should just give theirs to the rogue all the time because it's it's better. <laughs> um, but that sounds good. <laughs> but uh, essentially, whenever you take a D twenty test now, if the roll that you are using from the D twenty, so like if you roll a one uh and you have to use that one like you can't change it in any way you can't re-roll it but if you have to use that one you get inspiration and i think they were originally going to do it on crits but it felt weird to give you like a double bonus for critting so the changes that they made now is that it's on a one so it's like inspiration to do better next time i guess but essentially if you already have inspiration you can give that inspiration that you get from rolling the one to somebody else so if you crit fail you are inspired to do better. You're inspired to do better. Yeah, it's like, oh, that was or fucking, that was bad, man. But like, here, do do better next time, and they give, sh- they give you advantage. Or how shit you are inspires someone else to show you up even more. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, the inspiration changes if you roll a one on a d twenty test. Uh, you get inspiration, and if you already have inspiration, when that happens to you, you can never have more than one inspiration. So you give that to somebody else. This feels weird. I don't know. I like it. I feel like inspiration is the thing where everybody's like, oh, I have this like hard and fast rule about inspiration and this is how I like to do it in my game and fucking everybody forgets to give it out all the time. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Inspiration is is it's not really used all that much uh, and people do forget to give it out. I totally agree with you there. I just I, I I'm having trouble understanding the you crit fail or you roll a one. So now you're able to inspire yourself or others. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like it. I think I think the like fucking do better is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in, in this in this playtest material, they did introduce um, some of the classes. Uh, we have Bard, Ranger, Rogue. Um, and we'll just jump into the, the first one on the list. So Bard. Um, so one of the big changes they, they made to Bard was Bardic Inspiration. Um, so right now it's kind of a bonus action. You give it out. Um, but they've given bards the ability to use their bardic inspiration in a few ways. Um, just even as just a base class. Um, so one way you can use your bardic inspiration is to boost the D20 test. D20 test being like a D20 attack roll, ability check, saving throw, etc. So if a creature within 60 feet of you, can, if, a, if a creature within 60 feet you can see or hear, fails a d20 test you can use your reaction to roll your bardic inspiration die and add it to the number um i I really like this change i think it feels like the bard is kind of inspiring you in the moment um and it kind of puts the onus you know as a bard player puts the onus on me to be like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna inspire you in this particular moment Mm -hmm. um as opposed to just kind of giving your bardic inspiration out uh, you know, people have your bardic inspiration die and then they forget to use it and then they get to decide when they're inspired. I don't know. I, I like this change. I think flavor wise, it's a it's a decent change. Yeah, I think as a DM, I like this change a lot because it means less people will be silvery barbsing fucking everything I do. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, I think this is good as well, because, you know, I feel like sometimes you get in those situations where you want to bardically inspire someone, but you didn't say it before they tried. You're like, ooh, can I add bardic inspiration to that? Now you actually can. It's a reaction. 
And as a little side note, they also did the same thing to the guidance spell, where it is also a reaction on a failed save now. Yeah. Yeah, like, I guess that's their new kind of methodology is to have this be more um, more in the moment, more reactive. Um, yeah, I, I like this change. Uh, this is one way to use your bardic inspiration. It does kind of give you that. I think having the ability to affect roles in this game uh, through divination, through bardic inspiration is like one of the most powerful things you can do. Yeah, it's um, also it makes the game fun, right? Like it adds a level of uh, like dynamics to the game. Like oh, you don't yeah, just absolutely. fail a roll and then you're fucked, right? Like you you have things you can do to fix it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the other use of bardic inspiration, they gave bards the ability to heal using their bardic inspiration. So immediately after another creature within sixty feet of you that you can see or hear takes damage, you can use your reaction to roll your bardic inspiration die and restore a number of hit points to the creature equal to the number rolled. So basically a reactionary heal, like, oh, you're getting hit and I'm going to react and, and kind of heal your wounds. Um, I find that interesting. I think it's a good thing. Um, I like this change. Yeah, I was going to say, I like it. Um, I feel like it's going to lead to even more ping ponging though. Like you don't even have to wait for your bonus action. Fucking get up three heal for like a level one healing word. You can you can just reaction give the person that just got hit like two HP back so they're back on their feet. Yeah, I think that goes in like personally, I think that goes into like a more deeper topic when it comes to like um kind of deaths and how that's handled and the one yeah. HP get back to your feet. Um, but like irrespective of that particular situation, like bringing somebody back from zero, um, I, I do like the ability to have people react in the moment um, as opposed to waiting for their entire turn to come around to heal. Um, and I mean, this is a bardic inspiration dice, right? So you're going to be healing for D6, D8, D10, I think D12 later. So it's not this huge heal. Um, it's still going to be important to heal on your turn, but I like this as kind of a little stopgap, a bandaid. What do you think, Chris? I, I do think it's a useful thing to have. I think it's something that may not be used as often because I mean, bards still don't have that many inspiration die to constantly be using this for a very unreliable heal. And especially when you think about how other bard subclasses sometimes gain other things they can do with their dice. I think if you are if you want to play a healer bard, it's a useful tool to have, but I can see a lot of bards choosing really not to use this very often. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I feel like they've introduced a lot of competition and I'm just going to read my show notes verbatim because I think Mike's going to enjoy them. <laughs> um, I think this interferes with the action economy a bit where a bard might have to choose between holding a reaction for something uh, like silvery barbs versus just using a bard inspiration. I think yeah. this introduces a lot of like, because before you would, you know, bonus action, bard inspiration, like that was your bonus action as a bard as far as I'm concerned. And then you could still Silvery Barbs, which I think is fantastic. Uh, and if, I don't know if Bards get access to Counterspell later down the line through Magical Secrets, etc. But um, I think there's a lot of competition for your reaction in this new list. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, again, though, I think that plays into the like adding some dynamics to the game. Because instead of only being able to do things in your turn, people, I think, will pay more attention because there's more that you can do with reactions now. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do like that. Yeah, and they also mess with the action economy in way different ways. Like I'll talk about it a little bit when we get to the rogue, but like 
rogues essentially get extra bonus actions now. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Sounds wild. Uh, anyways, uh, continue on with the bard. So at level two, um, you get your first prepared spell. Um, like your first always prepared spell, which is healing word. They've done something um, with these new classes as far as like I've seen the bard. I haven't looked at all the other ones, but it seems like there are these spells that are just kind of innately prepared for you as your class. And at different levels, you get these spells and they're always on your spell list and they're always prepared. Um, so at second level, bards get healing word. At fourth level, they get lesser restoration. At sixth level, they get mass healing word. At eighth level, freedom of movement. And at 10th level, greater restoration. And I like this change. I think it's a nice touch to have this kind of core identity uh, or these core spells just prep for you and not really take away from your character customization. Um, the list of spells they picked, it has a ton of utility. And over the course of a campaign, I mean, you're probably going to be using all of these at some point. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I, I like the core change like that. I think it's good to have kind of the basics of what all bards can do ready. And then everything else is just your customization of how you want to play your character. Right. Yeah. I think it is nice because it really cements that they're intended to be a bit of a supportive class. And now if you, especially, you know, when you pick your own spells and stuff, you don't have to feel like, you know, you're wasting stuff on like having extra healing that you might not need. Like I can see, you know, freedom of movement and, you know, lesser restoration potentially, maybe not seeming as cool as some of the other spells you have, but now if they're not taking up spots in your list, well, if you need them, they're there. Exactly. Yeah, I feel the same way. They're not taking up that spot and they're there for you. It gives you flexibility and it lets you have your character customization, but still lean into kind of the identity of the class, which, you know, bards are a support class for the most part. 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, at level three, you get to pick your subclass. There is one subclass that they published, uh, College of Lore, and we'll kind of tap into that in a bit. Uh, at level four, you get to choose a feat. Um, and one of the feats, they've kind of rolled ASI, uh, Ability Score Improvement, into the feat system. So at level four, you essentially can pick a feat um, or ASI. At level five, you get Jack of All Trades. Um adding half your proficiency bonus to an ability check with a skill that you lack proficiency in. I mean, this is classic bard, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Level six, you get a subclass feature again. Um, at level seven, you regain bardic inspiration on a short or long rest. I think that's the same as the current bard. Yeah. Level nine, uh, you get expertise. Um, I believe you get to pick a few skills, but um, I kind of like that. It's nice when you're playing a support character to just have a few more skill proficiencies or um, expertise in a few skills. For sure. At level 10. Think, in general, that's been a really cool thing about these classes is that there is a lot more focus on proficiencies and expertise and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, level 10, subclass feature. Uh, level 11, magical secrets. I mean, magical secrets and being able to tap into other spell lists. Um that seems to be one of the one of the better features on a bard. Uh, I think it opens a lot of customization, but uh, essentially in this new bard, uh, at level 11, you get to choose a spell from either spell list, arcane, divine, or primal. Mm -hmm. And you can prep two spells from that list whenever you prep bard spells. That's really cool, actually. 
yeah, so you kind of tap into, you know, as a bard, you can, at level 11, you can start to tap into kind of arcane magic or tap into divine magic or tap into the primal spell list. Um, and you just get a few more customization options there. At level 12, you get a feat. At level 14, subclass feature. At level 15, you get more magical secrets. You get to tap into another one of those lists. So at 11, if you chose some spells off the primal list, at 15, you can choose some spells off the arcane list. Level 16, you get a feat. Um, level 18, I personally found this one a little underwhelming, but when you roll initiative, you get to regain two uses of Bardic Inspiration. Oh, I actually, actually weak. I, I mean, that's yeah, twice as good the as old the capstone. old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's twice as good as the old level 20 feet or the old level 20 uh, capstone. Yeah, just I, I still feel like it's underwhelming for a level 18. I understand it's it's better, um, but I don't know. I mean, with the new ways to use BI, like one thing here that I kind of was worried about when I was looking at this is whether Bardic Inspiration is going to feel like key points. Whether, you know, Chris mentioned earlier, you don't get a lot of them. And with having all these various options, I'm kind of curious whether players might be just like saving their Bardic Inspiration for the best option. Yeah, that definitely is something to think about, you know, because like, especially because you don't used to get your... uh, they moved it up to getting your Bardic Inspiration back on a short rest. It used to be level 5. Now it's all the way at level 7. Which means, especially in the early game, like you're not going to have a ton yeah. of Bardic Inspirations to give out. Yeah, I feel like they're using Bardic Inspiration as like... I, I feel like before Bardic Inspiration was... It was a class feature. That's the way I saw it. Bardic Inspiration was a class feature. With the redesign, I'm feeling like Bardic Inspiration is now a class resource. Uh, and I'm just curious whether or not we're going to run into situations where um, we just see a strain on like, oh, I don't feel like I have enough party considerations. Yeah, I think it there really will be like until you hit level seven, because then yeah. like you you have like two, eventually three party considerations per long rest. That's it. Yeah, and when you until can use seven them to heal and to you know reaction on anything now, like those will disappear so fast in a single fight yeah i will say though getting two back at the start of every fight very useful yes but not until level 18 yeah level 18 to wait for that um yeah and then at level 19 i believe there's another feat um and then at level 20 uh you get into kind of the epic boon system and and choosing boons uh one thing they've done as well is it seems like on each class or at least in the bard um there's a prepared bard spells and they kind of provide recommendations. So at first level, they say like cantrip, prestidigitation, vicious mockery, first level spells, color spray, disguise self. And then they have like a second level bard. Here's some recommended spells, third level bard. I think that's cool for new players and players trying to build a, build a bard for the first time. Yeah. I think in general, the class creation or the character creation stuff is definitely better for newer players. I feel like it, is more self-explanatory, a little bit more intuitive. And yeah, it just makes the the idea or the 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 task of creating a character a little bit less daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Did you take a look at some of the recommended spells and yeah, how do you feel I mean, about that, it? At the end of the day, you know, it's just a good thing to have for new players, especially with bards having a lot of like utility spells. 
uh, knowing which ones to pick can, you know, be confusing, especially yeah. uh, for magical secrets when you have to now look at everyone's spells. So it can be easy just to be like, oh, here are the, here's some good good picks. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I think it's helpful, and I think they, they did a good job of just mixing and matching, like, utility. There, there are a few damage spells on there as well, so uh, I think they give you a little bit of everything in that recommendation list, so... Um, I do like that. I think it's helpful for newer players. All right, cool. Um, so overall, like, how do you guys feel about some of these bard changes and um, kind of what they've set the bard up to be? I mean, a lot of it feels, you know, very familiar. There's, you know, outside of the the inspiration change, you know, it's still very much, you know, very similar to the existing bars, just, you know, nudging around where some things are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, most of these changes are good. The only thing, as I said, is, you know, if you're going to run out of Bardic Inspiration uh, way too fast. But, like, yeah. until I played it, I, I wouldn't really know how, how often that would come up. Yeah, yeah so let, sure. let me see if this is going to change your mind. So one of the subclasses, or maybe this will cement it in your mind, uh, one of the subclasses they introduced here was College of Lore. Uh, there are one, two, three, four different subclass features, so... At level three, you get a subclass feature. Level six, level ten, level fourteen. Um, at least that's what was listed um, yep. on the on the playtest material. Um, at level three, you get cutting cutting words, um, so you can use your. Uh, sorry, at level three, you get bonus proficiencies, uh, skill proficiency in Arcana, History, and Nature. And if you already have one of these proficiencies, you get to pick a proficiency in something else and gain that. At level three, you also get cutting words. So you can use your bardic inspiration. You can use your reaction to expend a bardic inspiration uh, to affect an ability check or attack roll that happens uh, from a creature within 60 feet of you. And uh, you get to roll your bardic inspiration die and subtract the number rolled from the creature's roll. So, um, you know, no no real change there. Um, but... When I look at that, that's one more use of Bardic Inspiration. One more use of your reaction. One more thing to compete <laughs> for that resource. At level 6, uh, Cunning Inspiration. Uh, when any creature rolls your Bardic Inspiration die, that creature can roll the die twice and use the higher of the two rolls. So at level 6, you can essentially... Um, your Inspirations have advantage. I thought that was kind of neat. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it's very useful. At level 10, you get improved cutting words. So when you use cutting words uh, on a creature, you can deal psychic damage to that creature equal to the number rolled on the Bardic Inspiration die, plus your Charisma modifier. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, on that one, I felt like they're really leaning into cutting words here. <laughs> I, I get the flavor of dealing some psychic damage to a creature like as a bonus. Yeah. Um, I'm not too huge on that flavor. Like, I get it. It's like, oh, I'm really good at making fun of you and I make you feel really bad. Yeah, um, I mean, I love that, actually. I, I think that, like, is a lore bard to me. So I feel like they're taking the way that people have played lore bards for, like, a long time now and kind of baking some of that into the lore of the lore bard, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I can get that. I guess I'm sort of on the fence with, like, you know, level three, you get cutting words. And then at level 10, the 10, you get improved cutting words where I think I would have liked to see um, just a, a different feature, something uh, that just adds more flavor as opposed to just like, yeah, we're going to attack on psychic damage to this 
to, to your kind of staple. Yeah. Um, but I get it. I get that people like to make fun of, <laughs> of, of creatures. Um, and then, yeah, 14th level peerless skill. When you make an ability check and fail, you can expend one use of Bardic Inspiration, roll the Bardic Inspiration die, and add the number rolled to the ability check, potentially turning it into a success. If the check still fails, you don't expend the Bardic Inspiration die. I like that change. I don't think that the that, that last sentence used to be part of peerless. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, the failure is already enough of a feels bad, and then uh, not losing the resource at least is a little bit of a consolation prize. Yeah, I think you're more likely to actually try to use it now that you can't lose mm. it if you still fail. Yeah. Like, even if um, you still need to roll an eight on the D8 to succeed, you're going to try it, right? Yeah, that, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so overall, I mean, I think they did a decent job with this class redesign. It does feel pretty streamlined. Um, I'm curious about, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm curious a little bit about how much strain is being put on Bardic Inspiration as a resource and then how much of the class is centered around reactions. Um, but overall, I mean, I'd play it. I think it looks cool, sounds cool. I'd be curious to see uh, some of the other subclasses, but like off the jump, I think it's a pretty strong class. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's why bards have seen such uh, like a high level of play in 5e, right? They're, it's just a fun class to play. And I don't think they've taken any of that away with this, even though, like you said, it may um, may put some strain on the resources to have as many uses for Bardic Inspiration as there are. But I'm sure that over time that'll balance out or like they might add more uses of it or like add easier ways to get it back, things like that. So uh, I think like until we play, it, we can't really pass like super amounts of judgment, but I feel like it still plays like the same class or it sounds like it plays the same way. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It does still seem to fit that kind of supporting niche. And, uh, you know, I don't think they went in trying to completely overhaul the identity of these classes, but uh, it does feel streamlined. And um, I did decide that on our Wednesday game, I'm going to stick with a bard. So uh, cool. maybe we'll talk about trying some of this new stuff out. Yeah, I'd be down. All righty, cool. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of an overview about the bard. And uh, this document does include... Uh, two other classes, uh, so we'll, we'll move on and we'll take a look at the Ranger. Yeah, so uh, I was taking a look into the Ranger, and one thing I thought was really interesting about the Ranger changes specifically is you can actually see they're already thinking about this direction with uh, the optional class features they put out in Tasha's, because you can see some of those things have now just made it into uh, the regular Ranger. Um, but yeah, to start off with it, uh, a lot of the basic, you know, level one stuff is the same, you know, D10, uh, proficiencies, martial weapons up to medium armor, and that's all as you'd expect. Um, I think the interesting thing, uh, is that Rangers, as we were talking about earlier, uh, being part of, uh, the experts now gain expertise, uh, which the, you know, needs to not have yeah that's interesting that's generally kind of rogue bard but uh yeah i like that that's why they're an expert yeah, class and uh that, that was uh one of the things that was actually added as the optional class feature was gaining expertise for rangers and tashes and now it's just part of uh this playtest ranger build which i like because when you think about it 
Rangers are a very similar class in the sense that they have stuff they're known for being good for, usually survival, like animal handling and stuff like that. So kind of leaning into that of, you know, Rangers are really good at something. Uh, that, I think, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, I, um, I totally agree. Yeah, the other really big change that is a very good change is uh, first level you get favored enemy. And essentially you always have Hunter's Mark prepared. Uh, it doesn't count against the amount of spells you can have, and you don't have to concentrate on it. Ooh, oh, I like that. That's awesome. So once you cast it, it lasts for its full duration until you end it as a bonus action or you're incapacitated. So it just is always up now, which That's is good rad. because, you know, Rangers historically have had a lot of concentration spells and Hunter's Mark being kind of, you know, a lower tier one, especially once you get access to your higher level spells. It'd be like, well, why would I bother concentrating on a Hunter's Mark when I could have like a, an elemental or something? Uh, so now it doesn't yeah. need it. That's um, awesome. I, I wonder if great. they do the same change to Warlock. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean we'll that's see. a that's a that's that's pretty huge. It's just free damage, free damage, no concentration. Um, yeah, I like that. we'll get we'll get to it later on. But there are some things that actually affect Hunter's Mark and having it up. Oh, that's cool. So uh, will also be useful for being able to proc those things um and yeah so uh you know spell casting uh you know you get to have uh some cantrips so what is it It says uh you have the following spell spell prepared cure wounds guidance hunter's mark and a thorn whip or you can choose your own uh i thought this was kind of interesting because rangers didn't have cantrips before I like that. I think some some of the drawback or some of the like things that push me away from playing certain martial classes is just not having the magic, the magical ability, not being able to kind of play into that like gish kind of uh, gish gith. Yeah, gish. I don't know. Not having both <laughs> the martial and magical aspects kind of feels lame to me sometimes. Um, I like giving rangers cantrips. Yeah, and this is another thing that they played around with in uh, Tasha's because I, you know, am playing a ranger with all those changes where I'm playing him as a caster ranger. And they had the optional uh, druidic fighting style, which lets you take two cantrips. Um, uh, but now, so all rangers just have cantrips uh, level one now. So pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, cantrips so are so that, useful. You know, level two fighting styles are pretty much the same. Uh, nothing changed there. Subclass feature, the feats, uh, extra attack at level five. Um, at level seven, you get the roving feature, uh, where essentially your speed increases by 10 feet if you're not wearing heavy armor, and you gain a climb and swim speed. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, this is really also cool. another uh, thing that feels very, you know, rangery. Uh, it used to be only five feet. Uh, and you got that at level six, so now you get an extra five, and uh, happens a level later. Uh, also, the new thing is that you can't wear heavy armor, which makes sense. I don't care how good of a ranger are. No one's swimming in plate mail. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think when I picture rangers, like heavy armor just does not factor into the picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so after that, you know, feet, you get uh, expertise again. At level nine, uh, then at level eleven is another new thing. We have tireless. Uh, so this is whenever you finish a long or short rest, you can give yourself a number of temporary hit points 
uh, equal to 1d8 plus your proficiency bonus. And I think this is another neat one that's like something that makes sense for rangers is that if you are exhausted, you can decrease exhaustion on a short rest. Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. I, th- I thought tireless was uh, wh- I thought tireless was a UA ranger thing or a Tasha's ranger thing or something like that. It was. It was a little bit different. Uh, that was at tenth level. You could give yourself temporary hit points equal to D eight plus wisdom modifier, uh, mm. and you could do that as a bonus action. Oh no, it's just an action, right? And it was based on proficiency. So now this is just you get it whenever you finish a rest instead. Uh, interesting. Okay, so but yeah, as you said, it was something similar to that in Tasha's, and now they're just moving it onto a feature, which I think is you know it's useful, especially recovering from uh, exhaustion faster. It's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah that's actually really where, cool. In campaigns where DM's using that, then uh, yeah, it definitely uh, makes a big impact. It would have been really useful in Netherdeep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so then at level 13, you get Nature's Veil, uh, where this is kind of like the replacement for Hide and Plain Sight, uh, where essentially you invoke magical nature spirits to hide yourself. And as a bonus action, you expend a spell slot and become invisible until the end of your next turn. Nice. So the old thing was essentially if you had like mud and leaves and things, you could spend 10 minutes making a disguise, which I don't I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually use that in a game. <laughs> no, the only thing that's similar to that that I've used is I play um, like rock gnomes sometimes where you can just like get an advantage to hide in any kind of like rocky terrain. Mm hmm. Yeah, the old one was one minute to camouflage yourself if you have access to fresh mud, dirt, plants, and soot. And once you hide at something, you got a plus 10 bonus to dexterity, stealth checks, as long as you don't move. But this new one, I think, is interesting. It's, you know, a little bit more useful. However, uh, it does need a spell slot. It's only for, like, one turn. So, bit of a question of how often that would actually be used. Uh, I feel like it's more of, like, a you know, an escape. Yeah, but I also think it could also be used as like an ambush tactic. I mean, like you become invisible until the end of your next turn. Um, we do know that there are certain like ranger subclasses and things like that, that um, I think benefit from going first or um, I mean, on top of that, you get advantage on your first attack. So, I mean, obviously this should be used to kind of hide and, and stealth and get away. But I think it can also be used to you know, set up first turns. And when you're setting up a first turn, maybe using the spell slots a little more justified. I don't know. It seems cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely useful. Uh, I will say that the optional uh, stuff for it uh, had it just it was a bonus action and you just became invisible and didn't use a spell slot. So it's a little bit more useful. <laughs> mm. So that's why, you know, going from playing a... Uh, a ranger who can just do that to be like, well, now I got to use a spell slot to do that. <laughs> and it, it was based on proficiency, but still, you know. Was... Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about the bard, though. It's like, now I have to use a reaction to do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then level 15, you get uh, Feral Senses, where you get Blindsight with a range of 30 feet, which I think is super cool. It is super cool. Not enough Blindsight gets used in these games. <laughs> uh then at level 18, your Hunter's Mark now deals an extra 1d10 damage instead of Jeez. an extra d6. Nice. Which, That's cool. 
Yeah. And then, you know, defeat Epic Boon to cap it off with. Is there a suggested oh, yeah. Epic Boon for yours? Uh, Epic Boon of Fortitude. And yeah, you know, it goes on to have, you know, a recommended spell list like the other classes do. So, you know, you can kind of get a feel for it. And, you know, it's, you know, classic, classic ranger spells on there. Got your cure wound, speak with animals, pass without trace, all that good stuff. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, and then they have uh, the hunter subclass as uh, the one they presented in this one, which uh, you know I think is actually pretty neat. So it it seems like in subclasses they like every subclass seems to have kind of just four features. So at third level, sixth level, tenth level, fourteenth level, yeah. and then after fourteenth level, your subclasses kind of solidified at that point exactly yeah well because yeah. uh then there's another feat choice and then a boon choice on top of your normal class choices um yeah so the hunter at their level three feature for this subclass is uh you know similar to the old hunter where whenever you hit a creature with a weapon or unarmed strike as part of an attack action you deal an extra d8 damage to them if they're missing any of their hit points uh it's only once per turn but, you know, it's kind of, you know, fits into the, the hunter style thing is once you've wounded something, you just keep going after it. And yeah, it's kind of like extra, the Colossus Slayer uh, in 5e, right? Yeah. Um, then level six. Uh, this is one of the cool things uses Hunter's Mark. Uh, so while a creature is marked by your Hunter's Mark, you know whether the creature has any immunities, resistances, and vulnerabilities. Uh, and you know what they are. Oh, that's awesome. I, I really like that. I think it makes so much sense that as a hunter, if you're like marking this thing and st I see marking a creature as kind of studying it and watching it and things like that. So I, I like this change and I think it, it kind of brings some of the, I mean, we talk about metagaming and stuff like that, but I think in the flavor of a game, like in the flavor of a ranger, it would make sense that you can kind of, you have the experience to scope out this creature um, I really like this change and I think it kind of has RP opportunities for the ranger saying like, oh, you know, like hit it with fire, or like stuff like that, which I like. Yeah. yeah, especially with, you know, now that Hunter's Mark is also no concentration, like you're always going to have it up and be able to shift it between people in the middle of a fight to kind of, you know, scope out the battlefield is really cool. Yeah, so I think DMs need to be prepared like every time your party is fighting something. If you have a six level hunter in the party, um, yeah. just just have your immunities and vulnerabilities. Just have all that written out because they're going to ask. Listed. <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me exactly how to kill this thing you made, please. Yeah, I would just <laughs> hand him the stat block with the stats like covered up. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they changed uh, the multi attack, which used to essentially either give you uh, the volley ability or the whirlwind attack. Um, where now essentially you always have conjure barrage prepared. Um, and this is actually really interesting is that you can also downcast the spell. Ooh. So normally conjure barrage is a level three spell, but you can cast with first and second level slots, uh, reducing the damage by one D eight for each, each slot below third. Huh. I like that actually. Cause now you're not like resigned to using a third level spell slot. If you want to hit a bunch of low level creatures, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do, I do like that. I think it gives flexibility and like, yeah, just flavor wise. I like that. And I, I'm curious whether they'll do this 
downcasting across other classes because that could be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm uh, curious to see if it's just this to replace volley or if it's gonna we're gonna see it in the future more. Yeah, level level one haste. <laughs> Gross. You gain one AC and only five feet of movement. Half an yeah, AC. and it only lasts for thirty seconds. So after five rounds, you get stunned in the middle of combat. Yeah, you get an extra bonus action instead of an action. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the final thing that Hunter gets is uh, Superior Hunter's Defense. And it's when you're hit by an attack roll, you can use your reaction to have the attack's damage against yourself. And you can redirect the other half of the damage to one creature other than the attacker that you can see within five feet of yourself. Nice. My first reaction, my first instinct was to go, that's fucking cool. And then the within five feet of yourself, I think as a ranger, you're probably not going to have things really near five feet. It, I think within like 30 feet would be cool or you could just like, you know, like catch the arrow and fling it back or. Uh, you know, catch the air throw and put in your bow and fling it back or just like deflect something with your short sword and fling it back. But uh, yeah, I think the five feet, I don't know how often that's going to come up. That was my thought on this as well. When I was just like, wait, it can't be the guy who attacked you. And is, like, you know, usually as a ranger, you're not going to want to be surrounded. Yeah, uh, especially because of what it's replacing is that they used to have, you know, you could take your choice of evasion uncanny dodge or standing against a tie which is a thing where someone missed you you could force them to repeat the attack against another creature and so this just feels like a lot less powerful yeah i don't know i think they missed the i think they missed the hunter's mark on this one (laughs) because yeah i mean (laughs) i I would rather have evasion than this (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure I mean, I like it. I just don't think that the, I think the within five feet just does not. Yeah. It just seems like it wouldn't get used. That yeah. Often. You know, like cool, like a half the damage, but you know, waste in the other half. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, what are your thoughts? Yeah. It's the Ranger. Um, I like it. I like to see that uh, they're kind of, you know, putting uh, like a bit more caster power into them with the cantrips and stuff. I like the hunter's mark changes and everything else is, you know, mostly the same as a uh, regular ranger with a few quality of life updates. So really, yeah, I think this is a, a, a better ranger than the current one. Yeah, I agree. I, giving cantrips and hunter's mark. I think those are two very big and fun changes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's really, really cool. Um, though I don't think I'll be playing a ranger because I definitely want to play this rogue. <laughs> So uh, if you were done, right, with the Ranger yeah. stuff? All right, cool. So I think, yeah, next next we're going to head on to the Rogue. Uh, and this one, I honestly, like, reading through it, it sounds so fun to play. It is, like, the prototypical, uh, like, Rogue Thief. So Thief is the one subclass that they came out with, and it gels so well that uh, I, I just feel like I want to go play this right now. Uh, so to get into it, uh, basically, as a Rogue, um, you start getting expertise or expertise like the other classes, the other expert classes right at the beginning. So, uh, you can at level one have expertise in like sleight of hand and stealth. Uh, you also get sneak attack at first level. And, uh, with sneak attack, you can, um, essentially deal extra damage if you take the attack action when you have advantage. Or if somebody else is within five feet of it. So uh, if you're attacking with a finesse weapon or a ranged weapon and you have advantage, you get sneak attack. 
which with the inspiration changes, I feel like is like way more advantageous if people can just keep giving you advantage over and over again, if they've already got their own inspirations. So um, I feel like that is nice. I think uh, the initial thought behind this one was when crit was also going to give it. So uh, it'll depend on how useful that is, but being able to sneak attack like more often would be great at, let me just go into it. So at first level, you also get thieves can't, which uh, I think used to be a little bit later on, but uh, thieves can't essentially counts as a language now. So that's the other thing that I wasn't a fan of with this is that anybody can learn thieves can't. It's a language now. So when you have a background that gives you the ability to pick a language, you can pick thieves can't. So it will depend on whether or not in the world you're playing in, it is more or less uh, like prevalent, but your whole group could essentially learn Thieves Can't. No, uh, which finally really know cool. what that sneaky rogue's been saying about us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So at second level, you get Cunning Action, which is the same thing it was before. So on your turn, when you take a bonus action, you can either take a dash action, a disengage action, or a hide action uh, as a bonus action. So it gives you a little bit more uh, utility for your bonus action. Then at third level, you get your subclass and a subclass feature. Uh, and I'll do the same thing you folks did. I'll go into the subclass features on their own when we uh, get through it. So at fourth level, you gain a feat. Fifth level, uh, all of the, the cool stuff is still here. So you still get uncanny dodge. So when somebody hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to have that attacks damage against you. Sixth level, another subclass feature. Seventh level, you gain more expertise. So you get uh, expertise in two more skills at seventh level. Eighth is a feat. Ninth level, evasion's still here. So you can still nimbly dodge out of the way of certain dangers. So Whenever somebody makes you make uh, a dexterity saving throw, uh, you only take half damage. You take no damage at all. Sorry. If you make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage. So uh, if somebody fireballs and you pass the dex save, you take no damage. Uh, and you can only not use it if you are incapacitated. Tenth level is another feat. Or sorry, yeah. Tenth level is another feat and a subclass feature. Uh, at eleventh level, you get reliable talent. So uh, essentially, anytime that you try to make an ability check that uses either uh, a skill or tool proficiency that you have, you can treat a d20 of 9 or lower as 10. So you can never roll less than a 10 on anything you're proficient in, which is super, super cool. Yeah. Is that is that like rogues did? Have yeah, it, it's before, in the same correct? spot. I think it's in the same spot at 11. 12th level is another feat. 13th level is subtle strikes. So this is what is really cool with sneak attack now. When you attack, you know how to exploit a target's distraction. You have advantage on any attack roll that targets a creature that is within five feet of at least one of your allies who isn't incapacitated. Not only do you get sneak attack, you also get advantage on basically any attack on anybody that is uh, otherwise engaged. Does, does this, like this is flanking, right? But it could be ranged, like it does, you don't have to be there. Yeah, like I could be shooting with a bow. Oh. And as long as that guy is engaged with somebody else, uh, then I get advantage. Or if we are That's both cool. in front of I, a large creature and we can't flank it because it's like backed into a wall or something, you still get advantage as long as it's engaged with somebody else. That's cool. I kind of read this or I feel like when you mentioned it, I was kind of thinking it was like a pseudo flanking. But yeah, I see in those two scenarios, you just get some. Uh, yeah, you just get the advantage and. uh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 14th is another subclass feature. 15th is Slippery Mind. So not only do you take like no damage when you pass a 
uh, a dex save, but now you also gain proficiency in both wisdom and charisma saving throws. And uh, since you are now, uh, I believe, proficient in those things, you cannot roll less than a 10. <laughs> at 16th level, you get another feat. And at 17th, you become even more elusive because this is literally called elusive. You are so evasive that attackers can rarely gain the upper hand against you. No attack roll has advantage against you while you are not incapacitated. So even if you are being flanked, huh. they don't get advantage because you're just so like nimble and like like duck dip dodge dive and dodge there's <laughs> <laughs> duck duck dive yeah. dip and dodge um yeah it, like i they're really they're really leaning into the evasion elusiveness like they're really leaning into that flavor um i think with slippery mind uh when you said you can't roll a 10 or less like that was based on reliable ta- talent oh yes so skill or tool proficiencies so I guess that's not te- technically a skill. It's a saving throw. So it wouldn't apply there. Yeah, it wouldn't work for that. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but it, it looks like they're really leaning into making like the rogue. Just like as slippery as possible. Just yeah, hard yeah. to hit. Uh, yeah. And that gets even bigger because it's uh, at 18th level, you get sto- uh, stroke of luck. So uh, you have an uncanny knack for succeeding when you need to. If you fail AD 20 test, you can just turn the roll into a 20 once per short rest. This class is going to piss off. Oh, dude, just wait. Just wait. Uh, So at 19th level, you get a feat. And at 20th level, you get an epic boon. The one that they suggest is uh, undetectability, which gives you a plus 10 to any stealth check. And when you are hidden, so if you take the hide action or the hide bonus action, you just cannot be detected by sight, by hearing, by magic. You can't be scried on if you hide. So if you take the hide action, you just cannot be divined <laughs> by any sort of magic or perception. <laughs> what would even you're going to have expertise <laughs> in stealth by then? So you'll yeah, have expertise. So think like plus seventeen, <laughs> and then plus ten. So it's got plus twenty-seven, and you can't and roll you can't under roll a ten. <laughs> <laughs> so like a thirty-seven yeah, stealth check. Cast, cast yeah, no wonder you can't be scryed on if you're rolling a thirty-seven at minimum. Your party literally forgets you exist to every time. I, you yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was about to say, I'd go as far to say at this point, you yeah. don't even exist. <laughs> but what's really cool about this is with the base class, they've really leaned into like being as slippery and hard to hit and stuff as possible. But the thief portion of it, I think, makes it even cooler. So um, you have honed your larcenous arts. Burglars, bandits, cat persons, and other criminals typically adopt this subclass. But so do rogues who prefer to think of themselves as treasure seekers, explorers, delvers, and investigators. In addition to approving your agility and stealthiness, you gain abilities useful for delving, uh, getting maximum benefit from the magical items that you find while doing so. There's new cunning actions. You can take the search action as a bonus action. As a cunning action, you get the ability to search. Huh. Yeah, it's like a, a brand new action to essentially like do a quick investigation check. Also, sleight of hand checks can be made as cunning actions. So you can try to pick a lock or disarm a trap as a cunning action. Uh, and that is part of the third level fast hands. That's, that's yeah, pretty awesome. Really, really cool. Also at third level, you get second story work. You have trained to reach especially hard to reach places. You gain a climb speed equal to your speed. Uh, and when you take the jump action, you can make a dexterity check instead of a strength check. So when you're trying to do like a running jump for distance, you know, before you used to use your strength uh, to do it. Now it's dexterity. 
and you can like climb. That. So if you just want to like, like go on the wall and move your normal move speed along the wall, you can totally do so. Um, at sixth level, the class or the subclass feature is that uh, you have advantage on every stealth check that you make. So that 37 is going to be even better because as long as you're not wearing medium or heavy armor, you always have advantage on every stealth check you make. At 10th level, you get use magic device. So in your treasure hunting, you've learned how to maximize use of magic items, granting you the following benefits. You can now attune up to four magical items at once rather than three. Wow. Whenever That's you big. use a magic item that expends a charge, you roll a D6. If you roll a six, you don't use a charge. Because Very you cool. so stealthily used that charge that you didn't use it at all. <laughs> the big one for me, though, and the thing that's really, really cool that I think will fit into a lot of parties really well, is that thieves can use any spell scroll that bears a cantrip or first level spell. So previously with spell scrolls, you had to be able to cast the spell. It had to be part of your class, right? That's not a thing anymore. For rogues, rogues can cast any spell scroll of a cantrip or first level spell. if. Uh, you try to cast something above first level, you need to make an arcana check like anybody else normally would. So thieves get access to scrolls. So you could like just keep scrolls on you for like shield and things like that, right? Uh, which would be really, really cool. And then at 14th level, you gain a second bonus action on your turn, provided that you use one of the bonus actions that is a cunning action. So all of the things that fall under cunning action, right? The ability, the new one for searching, for sleight of hand to pick locks, dash, disengage, all of those things, hide, any of the things that are cunning actions, you can use as part of a second bonus action on your turn. So <laughs> you, can, uh, you can bonus action hide and then bonus action pick a lock while you're hidden. Or like, yeah, yeah, it's huh. really, really cool. And you, get, you can do that, um, the number of turns equal to your proficiency bonus. So you're starting at 14th level, you are going to have like four uses of that per long rest, right? I, I like that change. I think rogues is often a class where your bonus actions highly competed for and you don't really want to you don't really want to lean into anything that's going to use your bonus action because you want to keep that cunning yeah. action open. Uh, but I really like that change. I think it opens up a lot of like. Yeah, it's huge. And that was what I was talking about when I was when earlier I mentioned, like, if you thought you were fucking with the action economy before, like <laughs> having. Uh, two bonus actions where you can take one of like five different actions with that bonus action a few times per long rest is awesome. Mm -hmm. And also it's interesting because looking at uh, the search action, which I don't think was ever explicitly listed in original uh, 5e. It wasn't. It's a brand new action for 1D&D. Yeah, it's very cool. So now essentially the search action is a wisdom check to discern something that isn't obvious and actually gives you a table of which skills you can use and what you get out of it. So it specifically says you can use insight to learn a creature's state of mind, medicine to learn the ailment, perception for concealed creature object, or survival for tracks and food. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, th I think the majority of this document kind of centered on uh, the introduction of expert classes, the bard, ranger, rogue. Um, this document is quite big, and uh, we might do another episode, like looking through some of the other things in here, but... Um, they do kind of list all the different epic boons, uh, different feats, modified feats. Uh, there's there's quite a bit in this document. And if you go to like D&D Beyond um, and just under sources, you can go to one D&D playtest and look through this document. But um, overall, what is your impression of 
uh, this particular document, the expert classes. I think it's uh, there's a lot of really good changes in here. I like kind of like bundling together these uh, these experts uh, as being kind of you know like a, a class grouping. And I think a lot of the changes you know make uh, are for the better. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, I think that a lot of the things that have been added are really really cool. I like the division of magic i like the new separation of characters into the four kind of distinct categories honestly like i just want to play this rogue i think is my takeaway from this document <laughs> yeah i mean as somebody who enjoys playing rogues i think the a lot of the rogue features are like extremely cool um out of all three classes on this document i i do think the rogue is one of the cooler um one of the cooler classes here um, I really like the changes. Uh, obviously, there's a few things I kind of nitpicked at because uh, I play those classes. So I'm just curious yeah. how those will affect kind of how those classes play out. But uh, overall, I think uh, this just breathes a bunch of like fresh air. And it's just it's just refreshing to kind of have some of these reworks, have things streamlined, simplified, adjusted. Um, I'm really excited to to delve into some of these. Yeah, for sure. That's what we'll call it for this week. And we'll come back. Uh, next week with a little bit more on one D&D. Uh, as always, if you need to slide into a DM's DM's, you can DM us on Insta, Twitter, Facebook, or TikTok at DM's Discuss, or email us at dmsdiscuss at gmail.com. And you don't need cunning action to take the search action to find new episodes of our podcast. Simply subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher app. And as always, check the show notes for uh, fun stuff, and uh, we'll catch you after a long rest.